Hey guys, welcome to the Bookkeeper Basecamp podcast. This show is for virtual bookkeepers who are starting, growing, and scaling online bookkeeping businesses. I'm your host, Kimberly Stevenson. Let's dive in and see what we're talking about in today's episode. Hi there, and thanks for joining me for another episode of the Bookkeeper Basecamp podcast. I'm rolling solo for this week's episode, and it's really unique because it's a replay from a recent live stream I did over in the free Bookkeeper Basecamp community on Facebook. Sitting here telling you about what I actually share in the training kind of feels weird, so I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is that paying attention to and then implementing the principles that I share in the training into your day-to-day will help position you for success in 2023 or if you're listening to this later on down the road in whatever the upcoming months are. If you're a virtual bookkeeper running your own business or you aspire to start your own virtual bookkeeping business, you really ought to check the community out. I go live in that group at least three or four times a month to share my insights, offer free trainings, and host office hours to help you launch and grow your successful bookkeeping business. It's my way of giving back to an industry, to a community that I'm proud to be a part of. Now, because this was a live stream, I'll tell you, you're going to hear a bit of back and forth between me and those who join me live for that training. There are a couple of times where someone shares a resource and I repeat the name of it. And we've included links for those resources for you down in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, I thought about breaking this episode into a couple of different parts because it's a bit longer than our typical podcast episode. But after thinking about that some more, I decided to let it run in its entirety. But you can always pause it if you need to take notes or check on your clients or come back to it a little bit later for any reason whatsoever. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the episode where I share five things that you should consider as we move into 2023. So the title of tonight's live stream is some things to think about, right? Um, as you're closing out the year, um, some things to think about. And so um, let me start off by saying I did a search in my Kindle library. And first of all, I know I have um, in my library, I probably have, I don't know, a thousand books. I don't I, That might be an exaggeration, maybe 500, but I got a lot. Right. And so um I did a search in my Kindle library um, of the number of books that I have with this particular word in the title because I am really big on, um, I'm not so much woo. You guys probably know that about me. I'm not so much woo, but I am very big on like truth and um, mindset in the sense of like universal um thoughts and in laws and practices right and so um i did a search on the word laws in um in my kindle uh library and i have one two three probably seven or eight books that start with the law of whatever and i have been reading this one book like so i have um 15 invaluable laws of growth um the laws of human nature 48 laws of the hustle um laws of leadership um, the 12 universal laws. So I've been reading this book called the 12 universal laws of success. So I have two books, 12 universal laws, and then the 12 universal laws of success for, um, super, 
achievers, right? And so I, I've been reading this book lately and it, it inspired me to share with you guys tonight five things that I want you to be thinking about as we head into um, as we head into the last couple of months of the year, right? When it when it comes to your business. So think of these as specific ideas, laws, thoughts, guiding principles, right? Uh, for you to be thinking about um, as a bookkeeper, virtual bookkeeper, bookkeeper business owner for the most part, right? And these are some things that I want you to focus on for the next 60 days or so. Um, Alita says mint julep with some rum or vodka. Um, close. I am. Um, I'm drinking a Malibu and pineapple tonight with a straw in my little wine. Um, little wine. I don't know. What is this called? I Listen, I'm regular around the you know, way girl. I, this is my wine cup. I don't know. Somebody would call it somebody else. Something else. So anyway, but I'm drinking Malibu and pineapple in this mainly because um, it has a top on it. And um, and I don't want to spill it. So that's what I'm drinking. Hopefully I'll make it through. Maybe that's why I'm hot. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm hot. Hopefully I'll make it through this entire um, live stream without um, losing my mind. So um, I'm looking down at my notes, okay? Because I wrote some things down, okay? Um, so there are five things I want you to be thinking about. And, and I, I, when I think of these, these are not anything that I necessarily read in any one of the books or anything like that, but it was, I just sat down and was pondering the other day on like what we face as financial service providers, right? Um, especially business owners. This is really specific to those of you who are building a business. Cause I know we have some folks in the group who are not building businesses yet, or um, don't actually have that intention, right? And that's perfectly fine. But these five laws that I want to talk to you about tonight really are meant for those of you who are building businesses. And um, let me just go ahead and start. So if you have something to write with, go ahead and, and, and pull it out. Um, this is going to be really like a high level mindset type of live stream, right? Um, but... I think it'll help you, okay? I think it'll help you. And so, um, hey Joyce, welcome, thanks for joining. Um, so the first law that I want you to be thinking about um, is what I call the law of transformation. The law of transformation. And you probably have heard me say this before. Transformation beats transactions when it comes to bookkeeping. When you own your own bookkeeping business, it's important that you focus when you're communicating with potential clients, when you're communicating with your current clients, when you're communicating with potential referral partners, that you focus your conversation on the transformation that you help your clients create, right? That you help your clients create and not on the transactions that you process. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So um, the mistake that I see so much in your copy, in your topics, um, in, your, in, in the reels sometimes that you're doing, in um, pricing, is the focus is on the transaction. 
And while I realize that that's a foundational piece of what we do, very important, um, very, very important, um, it's not what's going to get you to the place where um, you're generating the type of revenue that will make your business sustainable, profitable, fun, enjoyable, not like heavy, right? When when you recognize that what you what we do in this space is we do create transformation for people, um, it gives you a um, deeper sense of purpose, right? In 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 what what it is that we do every day, right? And so, in order to begin to focus on the transformation that you create, it's going to be important for you to focus and deeply understand your clients and potential clients' pain points, challenges, obstacles, issues, fears, doubts, worries. It's so important. And I'm not saying this because I'm hearing a lot of people come online today and talk about, you know, um, things are changing in the space um, in general, in the online space and gone are the days of focusing on, um, you know, pain and all of that kind of stuff. But in finance, here's here's what I've learned. We we always have been very conservative in in this industry and we tend to kind of bring up the rear when things are happening. So I know I'm, I, I'm, you might too be hearing people talk about, you know, focusing on, on other things, but it's still important for us to focus on the challenges, the worries, the pains that our potential clients are having. Because when you know what those are, that's how you can position yourself, um, position a solution that you create, right? So you have to deeply understand. I'm not saying like you want to force feed them the problem, force feed them the pain, force talk about the worries and everything. but when you deeply understand the problem that they have, you can better develop and design your solution, right? And your solution goes beyond we process transactions. How many transactions do you have every month? And that's how I price my services, right? It goes so far beyond that. It helps when you can create a solution that is enticing, that helps your potential client believe that you understand them at a deep, deep level, it's going to be that much easier to convert them into a recurring client um, or a, a periodic client, depending on what their needs are. It's going to just be so much easier. And so when I talk about pain points, when I talk about uh, problems, obstacles, what I'm, I'm not talking about, they hate bookkeeping, right? I'm not, I'm not just talking about somebody who says, oh, I, I can't, I, I can't be bothered. It's the last thing on my list or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about the feelings that they have around the issue, right? So the thing, the, the you have to get to the point where you understand what they're losing, right? Because of the problem that they have. And that's what I want you to, to really focus on understanding from people over the next 60 days, right? Really digging deep. When you're having coffee chats, when you're having, um, when you're in networking um, groups, whether it's virtual or in person or whatever, when you meet people and you talk to them, you need to be able to ask enough questions and probe deeply enough to understand what the impact of the problem is. Okay, so you have to understand what the impact of the problem is. So are they losing time with their family? Are they losing sleep at night? And because they're losing sleep, they are losing money. They're not able to spend time uh, with the people who they love, right? 
you have to understand what the impact of the problem is. So yeah, they might be disorganized. Yeah, they may not have um, input all of the data into the system, right? And so let's say, let's use that as an example. So they haven't input all of their data into QuickBooks, FreshBooks Zero, whatever it is that they're using. They don't know how to use the system. Yes, that's a pain point, that's a problem. But what does that mean? That means I can't get my taxes done. And if I can't get my taxes done on time, right? I can't apply for the business loan that's gonna help me grow my business, right? Or if I can't, if I don't have the data in the system, I don't know what I should be paying myself. I don't know if I'm making money or if I'm losing money. I don't know if someone, if one of my employees is stealing from me. I don't have the information that I need. And the worry and the angst and, um, the disease, the, the uneasiness that that causes me, that's what you need to be able to speak to. So that's why I say, I want you to really give some thought to what the transformation is that you create for your clients. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? I'm not seeing any, any comments moving. Make somebody say something in the comments to let me know that you guys are still here, that I haven't, that I haven't lost you guys, okay? All right, so that's that's um that's the first law. That's the first thing I want you to be thinking about. Um, the second law that I want to talk about is the law of ownership. The law of ownership. Somebody type in the comments what you think I mean when I say the law of ownership. The law of ownership. God, I am having a moment. I feel like I need to turn on the ceiling fan or something. The law of ownership. Um, yeah, speaking to the outcome, right? The outcomes and the impact is important. Um, for sure. So the law of ownership. What I mean when I say the law of ownership, I'm not just talking about being a business owner, right? Um, right taking responsibility for what we do right um i talk in the incubator with um our incubator students a lot about accountability versus ownership and and that plays a part that plays a big part in what i'm about to share with you so as financial service providers as virtual bookkeepers let me ask let me let me let me put it a different way whose responsibility Whose responsibility is it that, um, who owns the data? Who owns the data? Is it you or is it your client? Who owns, who do you think when it, when it comes to the, the receipts, the expenses, the invoicing, who owns that data? Who owns, who's responsible for that information? Alita says the client. Anybody else have an idea? Who owns the data? Vanessa says the client. Absolutely. I agree. If a client doesn't give you the information that you need, doesn't give you the data, doesn't give you access to the data that you need in a timely fashion and in a method, in a, in a format that is usable, where the data is usable, 
that is the client's responsibility. It is the client's obligation to get you that information in a format that is usable, right? Now, I said that, but how many of you spend time taking raw data and trying to convert it into a usable format? I wait. How many of you have clients that give you, that bring you stuff in a paper bag or a shoebox or all kinds of foolery? Like here's a, here's a few things from my personal account and here are a few things from my business account and here's some stuff from this credit card, but I have some personal information or personal expenses on this credit card as well, right? And then you spend time trying to convert that raw data into a usable format. And what happens is you end up spending what you thought were supposed to be five to six hours a month, you end up spending 15 hours on that client because you have to clean this stuff up, right? And so, it's important to understand the pieces of the process that you own and the pieces of the process that your client owns and make the decide, you know, make draw a line, right? Set the boundary, set the expectation during onboarding that this is what the data needs to look like when I get it because I'm not a for instance a data entry clerk or I'm not a data cleanup person, right? It needs to be in a format that I can easily pull the data into the system and then do the the work that I need to do to produce the reports that you need to help you create the outcomes that you said that you want to create, right? Um, but that's an accountant to an accountant thing migrating from desktop. Wait, I must have missed it. I must have missed a part of that fighting with that now on a migration. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Um, Lita says she has a checklist um, of what she needs and how she needs it, yeah. Um, and sometimes it is, it's it's from us. It's, we get we get crappy stuff, right? And and then we don't necessarily price it, price our you know selves, price our services to accommodate and um, you know, to cover that time. And then how do you go back on the back end? and get it back, right? So remember when we were talking about with the law of transformation and what people, what what your clients, what they're losing? Like that's a pain point for us. If we're not making sure that we are having those conversations and ensuring that we have a process in place to do the, that type of cleanup work, right? In a way that it doesn't add, you know, unnecessary burden to the process, right? And, um, and so the law of ownership, you have to not, you have to make sure that you're not taking responsibility for something that doesn't belong to you. And that takes communication. That takes setting the expectation up front, right? During the onboarding process or during your uh, month, monthly review conversations with your clients, um, feeling confident enough to say, 
here's my here's what I'm what I'm good at. Here's why you hired me. Here's why you brought me onto your team. Right? If there's an issue where we need to do ma massive cleanup, I'm either going to have to charge you for that time accordingly, right? I'm going to have to either hire it out or I'm going to have to do it myself or I'm going to have to ask you to do it. And it needs to still be done on a specific timeline so we can keep things flowing, right? But that's all about ownership. That's all about having those conversations where you upfront, out loud, talk about who owns what pieces, okay? So that's the law of ownership, all right? So I want you to be thinking about that. If you are challenged in that area, if you have multiple clients where you are just doing the crap work every single month and it's you're becoming resentful and frustrated and you are putting in three times the amount of time that you should be, right? I need you to be thinking about that over these next 60 days because going into 2023, we're not taking that. We're not taking, we're not bringing those, these things into 2023, okay? And so now is the time to be talking about it. Now is the time to be thinking about it, okay? All right, the um, third law that I wanna talk to you about really goes hand in hand with the law of ownership and the example that I shared. And that is um, the law of optimization. The law of optimization. And so, again, to Alita's point about having a checklist about how you need to see the data as it, you know, when it comes to you, you have to have processes, workflows, and systems in place that are optimized to, again, help you manage your time, help you remain as productive and efficient and effective as possible, right? Does that make sense? Your systems, your workflows, your processes, the purpose of having those is to help you streamline and be efficient in what it is that you do because your, your genius is in helping your client reach their goals, right? Achieve the outcomes that they want to achieve and it ain't about manually processing data, okay? And so if you don't have workflows in place, if you don't have processes that are documented, I need you to spend some time over these next 60 days. There are there are apps that will um, and somebody type in the chat. I'm sure somebody knows there are apps that like AI apps that will follow your um, keystrokes. I should know some of these. Right. But um, that will follow your keystrokes and document processes for you. I'm seeing ads all over the place. It just escapes me right now what the name of some of those apps are, right? But I need you to think about what some of those are. Or you can do something as simple as, as you're processing um, and going through client data, you can uh, talk into your recorder on your phone, your voice recorder on your phone, what you just did. Or you can, you can uh, dictate into Google, um, into a Google Doc, what you're doing as you're doing it. Right. So you can begin to standardize your processes. Right. And document what your what your workflows need to look like. Right. And what the like step by step processes are. Right. And so. When I say optimization, I realize that. Everything that we come across. Is not a square peg. Right. And like your systems, your processes, they may be like more of a round hole um, or a square, a square, a square. 
right? But everything that you get is not necessarily a square, you know, peg that'll fit into that, that square. Some things you get may be round, right? I understand that. And so I understand the need for flexibility, but I will say to you, having systems, processes that are flexible should not equate to a custom solution for every client. And that's why I am a huge proponent of specializing and niching into a specific area, a specific industry as early as possible when it comes to um, financial service providers. I know a lot of folks in um, the administrative space will tell you stay, a, you know, remain a generalist for a long, you know, long enough for you to figure out, you know, to make a name for yourself and figure out who it is you like and all of that. I get that. I get that. I'm a I'm a proponent of niching sooner for various different reasons. One of those reasons is because it helps you standardize your processes that much sooner, right? It helps you standardize your processes um, that much sooner. So being flexible does not equate to creating some custom solution for every single client that comes in. And that's another reason that it's important for you to have documented processes in place. So when you're talking to potential clients um, on consultations, you can be thinking about, is this the right fit for me? Is this the right, is this person's um, the right fit for my company, right? Do I have the capacity for, for what they've got going on? And it's hard for you to make that decision if you don't have some level of standardization in place, standardization in place, okay? So that's number three, the law of optimization, okay? Stop recreating the wheel for every single client that you have, all right? Law number four, again, we're just building on. So we talked about transformation. We talked about ownership. We talked about um, optimization. And law number four is the law of appreciation. The law of appreciation. So a huge mistake that, that we make is we don't recognize the value that creating real results hold, right? Again, partially because we're focused on the wrong thing, partially because it's what we've heard in the industry forever, right? For, you know, decades and um, since the start of, you know, of, of time that what bookkeepers do uh, at this level is the most basic of the basic. And because of that, it is the it should be priced at the lowest rate right and i'm not saying that you need to go out and 10x 15x your prices but if you let's use let's use a let's use a numerical example There's a statistic that's, that says that the average bookkeeper working for a company is making somewhere around forty-five dollars to $50,000 a year. The average bookkeeper, right? Now that person can be doing a portion of the, the, the bookkeeping, the cycle, the accounting cycle, the bookkeeping you know, process. They could be doing the whole thing, right? And making forty-five to fifty thousand dollars a year, and then so many of you come out of corporate 
or decide to leave corporate and you start taking clients and you're pricing bottom of the at bottom of the barrel rates that you would be lucky if you ever see that 45 to 50 a year without killing yourself in the process right so let's use um let's use 250 dollars a month as an example and and i'm sure that there are a few of you who might be listening to this whether it's live or in the replay they have clients that you're charging $250 a month for. And it's taking you 12, 14, 15 hours to process their, you know, their monthly, their work. Right. And some of you may say, well, I was making $20 an hour, right? Because I guess $20 an hour is about $42,000 a year in corporate, right? Um, I was making $20 an hour on my job. But on your job, you didn't have to worry about paying your self-employment taxes. You didn't have to worry about paying, taking care of all of the overhead expenses that the building have and your office has and all of that kind of stuff, right? So you can't, as a business owner, expect to build a sustainable business charging what you made basically, right? I, I know most of you probably aren't charging by the hour, but I'm willing to bet that 70% of you still have in the back of your mind when you're pricing, you're doing your proposals, you're still doing a calculation in the back of your mind, right? On what that would be at an hourly rate. And when you break it down, it's somewhere around 20, 25, $30 an hour. And I'm here to tell you, you're worth more. You're worth so much more. And so when I say the law of appreciation, what I'm talking about is it is time to increase your, in your mind, in your spirit, in your gut, the your worth, your value. You have to see it first. If you don't see it, your potential clients, your audience, your referral partners will never understand it. And I'm not trying to do anything like price setting in the industry, or you know, um, which is illegal, right? Um, to do unethical or whatever. I'm not telling you what to charge. I'm just saying that it takes 20 clients a month, 20 monthly clients. If they're averaging $250 for you, make $5,000 a month. You still got to pay taxes. You still got to cover your expenses, right? There's still a lot of things. You still need to make investments into your business. Right? And that's really difficult to do. 20 clients, you go from working for one boss to 20 different bosses. You think it's only gonna take you four or five hours and it takes you more like 12 or 13 because those low hanging fruit clients at $200, $250 a month are the most difficult clients to work with. Even though they're the lowest, the, the, the ones that are priced at the lowest. I can attest to working with clients at a higher rate a month, like more um, higher level packages. Those are easier clients to work with most of the time because their mindset is different. Their expectation is different, but they're not micromanaging. They're not waiting until the last minute. They're not asking you for a discount. They're not late paying. It's different, right? So the law of appreciation is your value appreciates, right? You, you, and you've got to see that appreciation in your value before anybody else can ever see it.
Okay. And I know it may be hard for some of you to say, I'm going to go from what I'm charging a day, you know, to 50% more than that. But I encourage you and I challenge you that the next consultation you have, the next proposal you write, I'm going to encourage you to increase your rates, right? I'm so tempted to tell you what my minimum, like I wouldn't get out of bed. I may have actually said it in this group at one point or another. I'm not going to tonight, <laughs> but I definitely, if I were still in practice, I would definitely have a number in my mind. I'm not working with a client for less than X, Y, Z. Okay. I need you to have that mindset. Okay. So the law of appreciation increase in your own mind the value right embrace accept decide right now that you are worth more than 250 dollars a month you are worth more than that even for the most basic of basic clients okay even for the most basic of basic clients it is worth more than $250 a month. Okay. I'm gonna leave that there. Okay. If you don't understand laws one through three, transformation, ownership, optimization, it's really going to be hard for you to understand and embrace the law of appreciation. Okay. Before I tell you what the fifth law is that I want you to be thinking about, let me real quick run through. Scribe is the one that I use that records as you click. Okay, thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Joyce. Scribe, you guys check out Scribe. I wanna say there's one called Screen Bro or something that logs all the applications you're in and for how long. Screen Bro, okay. Y'all check Screen Bro and Scribe out, okay? Um, more we know, for some reason, I'm, my astigmatism is acting up tonight. I cannot see my screen. Um, the more we know clients' business, the higher our value increases. So we get an increase of value in two ways. Absolutely, absolutely, right? So good stuff, good stuff. Um, any questions so far? The fifth law, um, that I want to talk to you about tonight. It's something that, again, I, you know, you guys, I talk about the same things all the time in one shape or form, right? Some shape or form. But the fifth law is something that I've talked about in here before. And um, it's, it's um, when I say it, when I share it with you, I want you to remember that I, when I say this, I'm, I'm speaking specifically as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, right? But the fifth law is the law of leadership. Or to use my favorite phrase, the law of CEO-ship. The law of CEO-ship. The law of leadership, the law of CEO-ship. You guys have heard me say often, that there's a difference between someone who is in business because they have a particular skill set, right? And so they essentially leave their corporate job and create another job for themselves. 
they may own the company, but all they've done is really created, they've left one job for another job. I just said, you left one boss and now you've, you know, you've got 20, 25, right? Bosses, because they're determining, they're dictating when they're sending you their data and their documents and what they need from you when they're calling you at all times of the night and expecting you to actually return their call first thing the next morning um, because you didn't set boundaries, you didn't set expectations, you didn't talk about what your um, communication protocols are, right? Um, and so you're dropping what you're doing, you're with your family, but you're stopping what you're doing to call a client because they can't find something in the system and they need it right away. That's a boss. That's that's like having a boss who is getting away with not paying any of your um, paying for any of your benefits, or you know making contributions into your Social Security and Medicare, any of your FICA, right? Um, but you you're giving them the allowing them to stand in that space as your boss because you're allowing them to dictate, or you're working as more of a technician in your company. Um, your head down processing um, data instead of thinking about how to price and position your services from the beginning where you can actually bring someone in to do a lot of the foundational data entry level work. Um, you're thinking of yourself as a um, forever solo person. And so you're not even pricing yourself in a manner or positioning um, yourself as a as a company. You're positioning yourself as a freelancer, um, essentially as a technician, right? Um, instead of as the CEO of the company that, that you started and that you're growing, right? And so, again, this boils down to mindset. I told you when we started tonight, there's a lot of this is about mindset. It's, a, it's about how you think of yourself first, right and so it's the difference between thinking like an employee and thinking like an entrepreneur right and until you deal with with that until you see yourself as an entrepreneur instead of a, an employee that happens to have people who pay them directly it's going to be really challenging for you to grow a um six-figure business multi-six-figure business because that's possible when you put the right systems in place when you put the right processes in place when you have the right people in place when your strategy focuses on building a business instead of freelancing for a bunch of different people right it's the difference between thinking like a technician and thinking like a ceo And that's what I want you to focus on for these next 60 days. I, I don't know if you have to meditate on it, uh, journal on it, uh, strategize about it with someone, right? Talk to your business bestie, talk to your mastermind group that you may have, talk to your business coach, right? Schedule a strategy session with me to work through some of these things, to start to put some of these things in place. Right. If you're not on the wait list for the next cohort cohort of the um, Bookkeeper Evolution Incubator, you need to be on the wait list. Um, I will tell you that we have made a decision um, that this next cohort of the incubator will be the last time we run it as in in the format that it is today. So, um, 
if you've been thinking about it, now's the opportunity <laughs> um, because it's going to be very different in 2023. So if you're not on the wait list, you need to be on the wait list because we're getting ready to um, go into launch season with that. And it's going to be the last opportunity um, at the current price point and in the current format that it's in. So um, super, super important to join the wait list if you haven't. Um, but those are the five things that I want you to be thinking about in these next 60 days, right? So five laws. Law number one is the law of transformation. Law number two is the law of ownership. Law number three is the law of optimization. Law number four is the law of appreciation. And law number five is the law of CEOship or leadership, right? Super, super, super important. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bookkeeper Basecamp podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a positive review. This will help other virtual bookkeepers like you find the show and learn how they can become a bookkeeper CEO too. And if you want to hear more from me, be sure to follow Spark Hustle Flow across all social media channels, or you can simply search hashtag Bookkeeper Basecamp. And don't forget, you can always come hang out with us over in the free Bookkeeper Basecamp Facebook group. We'd love to have you there. So that's it for this episode. Remember, as always, be proactive, be productive, be profitable, and we'll see you next time.